Hi, this is Karen Kelly, and you're listening to An Appetite for Life. There's a great mix on this show with various topics, amazing guests, and the occasional celebrity guest. So on today's show, I'd like to welcome Sharon Dunn, founder of the River Reeves Foundation. So welcome, Sharon. Hi. Oh, it's lovely to have you on the show today. So you set up the River Reeves Foundation in 2016. So for our listeners, can you briefly explain the background behind this foundation? I can. River Reeves is my stepson, and he was also the lead guitarist um, in the band Viola Beach. And in February of 2016, very sadly, the band and their manager were all tragically killed in a car accident in Sochitale in Sweden. As you can imagine, that changed our lives forever. During that first initial period of, I can't, I can't even think of the words to describe it, of terror, horror, whatever, Ben and I decided that we didn't really want the accident to be the final full stop and to be the one thing that they remembered River for yeah, and his yeah. bandmates. You know, they were all amazing young men. River was the most liveliest, um, craziest young fellow. And we just almost made a pact and we said, no, we're going to do something positive. We're going to create something out of this tragedy. And so in the November of 2016, we um, set up a charity called the River Reeves Foundation to raise money for bursaries and grants for primarily underprivileged um, performers, artists, who perhaps might not be able to get to the next step simply because they can't get to an audition or they need a certain piece of equipment or they need some kit. And we just thought, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if in River's name we could do something really positive? That's brilliant. Really, really incredible. So tell us about River. What was he like? Uh, because you kept, became stepmom to River because he lost his own mum at a young age. Was he about eight years old? Yeah, he was about eight. Yeah, sadly, um, he lost his lovely mum, Miranda, to cancer. He was only eight and Finn just oh. three years older than that. Um, well, that was a horrific time, obviously. But I suppose the flip side of that is I then got two young men to come and be in part of my life so although I was stepmom I was more than stepmom because obviously they lived with us they lived with Ben um how would you describe River there's not many words to describe he was unique he was talented he was quirky um he was very very funny uh, hilariously funny always joking around always um making funny little memes and um, one of his favorite tricks was pretending he was walking down a staircase behind the island in the kitchen, which was <laughs> um, But yeah. So was he, he, was he, he, was he always playing, you know, playing music and things? Was he always interested in music? You no, know, did he have an ambition to be in a band? Well, always, yeah. He was very musical, but he was multi-talented. He actually had a place at the Arden to do a degree in acting. So he was an actor as well, as a performer. Wow. Um, but he did love to strum his guitar. Um, I remember he was possibly about... 12 and he was sat at the dinner table and I said okay Riv, what do you want to be when you grow up you know stepmom kind of question and he said oh yeah. well you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be like Billy Joe I'm gonna be um I'm gonna be a rock star so as a teacher I'm trying to think right okay let's manage this conversation <laughs> okay that's great that's brilliant but what what if you know maybe you never know that doesn't happen and he said oh that's easy I'll do plan b 
okay, what's plan B? I'm going to be James Bond. Simple <laughs> as that. That was it. It was either Rockstar or James Bond. And you know, quite probably, well, he certainly may have made done, James yeah. Bond. Yeah. And I'm sure once his musical career would have ended, then yeah, he would have become an actor. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I love that ambition. I love that ambition. I think if they've got a goal and they know which direction they want to go into, then who are we to stop them? Yeah, and I think that River was very forthright and in his head, that was just black and white. That's just what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, no caveats, no, oh, what if, what if. It was just simply, no, that's what I'm going to do. And I think that dogged tunnel vision, actually, we can all learn a lot from that. Definitely. Oh, most definitely. So I know there was a few a few band members. Um, some stayed and some some left the band. Was there Chris Leonard, Jack Dakin, and River? Um, so how did they meet? Were they friends anyway, or were they kind of formed? I think Jack and Chris knew each other at primary school, and then Chris and River met on their BTEC music course at Priestley College. So that was that connection. Yeah. I'm not quite sure where Tom Lowe came in. Um, along the way maybe that was linked into the lounge pub because I know Tom worked there and that's where um, the band used to practice but certainly Jack and Chris went went back some time and then um, it was at Priestley yeah yeah that river met Chris yeah so the band were doing really well and they were they were on their way to stardom weren't they um, when when tragedy struck can you remember where you were when you first heard what had happened I can. I bet it was like was yesterday, the, isn't I, it? Yeah, I was in the hospital. My dad was very, very poorly. In fact, we oh. thought my dad was going to lose his life even just the day before. So that was quite traumatic. Um, I was at the hospital with my mum and my dad hasn't spoke before. Um, he had a stroke when he was 47 and lost his speech. And I went to the hospital this day with my mum and he said to me, go home. He actually spoke. He actually said, wow, go home. Um not as clear as that obviously yeah. but it was very clearly he's said go home um my mum just collapsed she couldn't cope so I took my mum out of the hospital and I got into my car and then my phone rang on the back seat of my car Gosh. and I picked it up and Ben said Chelsea's got to come home <sighs> and it was just so weird that my dad just 10 minutes earlier had said you've got to go home yeah God, I so, can't imagine yeah. what that must have been like for you. Um, so I know there was a lot of questions around the accident and how it happened, but for your family and the Reeves family, did you ever get some some clarity? No, in a simple no. word. Um, it was a very confusing time. There was so much information to take in. The police did their utmost, the liaison officers, but you don't even realise, and especially with it being overseas, there were so many questions that still were unanswered. Yeah. In fact, the biggest question, um, Ben and I went out to Sojitale in November before the inquest because we wanted to see for ourselves not only where River's life sadly ended, but just to see the bridge so that we could sit in the um, inquest room. And when they were describing this bridge, we knew what it looked like. Yeah, you wanted that, to visualise exactly we what We both said, we've got, we've got to go. We just yeah. need to know. We need to know. So we flew out to Sojitale and um, it was nothing like we expected. We were almost giddy. We were almost like, yeah, we're going to go. It'll be really dark. And then we'll know Craig had no idea it was a bridge. and It'll answer all our questions. And we went 
and it was really light, it was really well lit. Um, the, the operating tower was literally <laughs> no more than a, 20 meters from the bridge. So how the operators didn't see this happen. So it just raised so many more questions. Yeah. The weirdest thing happened on the Saturday. We went back out in our hire car and you pretty much had to scramble down to the canal site. It was really eerie. And we took some padlocks, we took the album and we took candles. And we spent quite a bit of time there. It was really cold and dark in every sense of the word. Um, and then it got to quite a bit, we're going to have to leave. And he really didn't want to. And I said, no, come on, we've, we're going to have to go back to the hotel. And then he said, oh, my goodness, Charles, you've got a massive ship behind you. And it was silent. It was eerily silent. All you could hear was the bridges above. It was like um, the cars going over the, the seam of the bridge. And I'm thinking, I can't see a boat. So I turned around and there was this huge tanker wow. gliding towards us. So we stood and watched. And as it came alongside us, I couldn't believe it. I said, I don't believe this, Ben. He said, what? I said, it's the Telus. It was the actual oil tanker which went over the car, which went over, which was why the bridge was opened on the 13th of February. It was the exact what? oil tanker? Exact. Oh, my it goes goodness. Through, it goes through that canal three times a week. So the chances of us being there yeah, at 421 on the 19th of November. And so we stood and watched it. And it sailed towards the bridges. There were three bridges. There was the, the bridge the boys had driven into, a railway bridge and um, a different type yeah, of road. Bridge. Yeah. And um, it sailed towards it. And the traffic didn't stop. And the trains didn't stop. So I got into a bit of a blind panic and said, oh my goodness, it's going to hit the bridges. The bridges haven't stopped. The bridge hasn't gone up. What's going to happen? And then it just simply sailed underneath all three bridges and the bridge didn't go up. And we couldn't believe it. So, so was the bridge, should it have gone up? Yeah. It, so it fitted under the bridge bridges. Um, we came straight back to England. We got a barrister. We'd recorded it. And he said, right, this is really quite serious because mm -hmm. the inquest can't go ahead. Because the key question is now, why on the February the 13th did the bridge have to be raised? And now it doesn't. So we put our questions to the police whom weren't very happy that we'd upset the apple cart some, you know, four weeks before the inquest. Not that that was our fault. We wanted the question to be answered. And it never has been properly. Um, the coroner decided he was going to go ahead with the inquest and said, I'll still make my verdict. However, Cheshire Traffic Police, you have a duty of care to let these parents know why now this ship sails under the bridges without them being raised. We then had the inquest, which came to the verdict that it was a road traffic accident um, and that nobody was to blame. Again, doesn't really answer any questions apart from perhaps gave um, Craig Terry's family a bit of peace because obviously there was a lot of concern for us trying to protect them um, around people making accusations about Craig, which aren't true. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, we had our final meeting with the police and they simply said, oh, we've had an email from Sweden um, about the bridge and they've took the mast off the ship. Now we already knew they took the mast off the ship because we spent hours tracking this tanker and all its routes around the world because we became a little bit obsessed. And their simple answer was, they've took the mast off. And so that's supposed to make everything was, right. <laughs> yeah, so why have they taken the mast off? 
Is it because they now realize that that passageway isn't safe, the bridge procedures? And very flippantly, the police said, we don't know, probably economic reasons. And that was it. That's the most explanation we've had. So they don't, don't they realize that family needs some kind of closure to be able to, to move on? And I mean, it has been quite a few years, five years now, isn't five. it? Five yeah, years. Five years now. So is that inquest completely closed or is it open? Well, it's closed. Um, how would we reopen it? We, we haven't lost sight of that. There's a possibility there could be further investigation. The Hillsborough um, inquiry gives us a bit of hope that yeah. even, you know, quite a few years later, people, you know, we might possibly be able to get some kind of closure, some kind of answers. But, you know, why did they take the mast off the ship? Yeah. Why? And, and why, why need to open the bridge? Yeah, for that ship when they're not doing it now? Exactly. Wow, all these questions. So you set up the River Reeves Foundation, which I know we brief, briefly touched on um, earlier, but let's go into more detail about that. What kind of things do you do to help raise money? Oh, we do lots of things. Um, where to start? We have a rainbow ball, which is an annual event every year at the Village Hotel. And that's um, lots of fun. People get dressed up. We celebrate the bursary journeys. We have bursary winners who come and perform. We have an auction and um, that's one main way. I have lots of running events throughout the year. We do medal series um, and that ranges from Christmas dashes to um, half marathon training programs where people get sponsored. I've also got the shop now, which I set up in uh, December, 2018. Yeah, so that's um, the vintage Viola, isn't it? I love that yeah. name. It's a beautiful name. Yeah, so tell us more about that. So that was set up in 2018. Yeah, we start. I went to a network meeting, told my story, and a lovely lady called Diane Lomax rang me the next day and said, I think I can help you. Um, I'd explained how my big vision was for a youth provision, a hub, um, an art centre where youngsters could go and feel safe. Because when we moved back to Warrington, I'm from Warrington originally, in 2007, following Miranda's death, um, we needed a bigger house, so I moved back to Warrington. And I was quite shocked that there was just nothing for youngsters to do. River and Finn used to go and hang out and sit on shopping trolleys outside the local co-op. And you just think, this is crazy, you know? Yeah. Where, where do these, these students, where do they go? So my big aim really since then, even though I was teaching at the time, was to at some point in my life set up some kind of youth cafe provision. Anyway, so I met Diane Lomax. She took me to meet a gent called Gary Cliff, who's the CEO of Changing Lives in Cheshire. We had a lovely chat. He was very supportive. And he said, well, why don't you start now? Why don't you open a shop here in this building? And it was literally a conversation. And four weeks later, the first vintage Viola was born within the building, which then was Changing Lives in Warrington. And on the opening day, which was the 1st of December, 2018, we had the lottery winners play, which was amazing. But the manager of the Golden Square, Ian Cox, came across and literally within five minutes of being in, inside said, Shav, I want this in the Golden Square. Wow. I know, how amazing. And I said, well, that's wonderful, Ian, but I've just spent six weeks of my life painting and decorating. <laughs> and he said, never mind about that. Anyway, fast forward to the February, 2019 we had a conversation 
And then July of that year, we moved across to the Golden Square and we've been there ever since. It's been a funny old time, what with lockdown and COVID. But I can imagine, yeah, terrible time. So Vintage Viola then, I was picturing initially like a charity shop, but it's more like where children can go and hang out, you were saying? It's going to morph into that. That's always been the, the dream. Um, at the moment, it's pretty much a charity shop with a difference in yeah. so far as people walk past it and think it's a nice little boutique. It doesn't look like a charity shop. No. It's got funky wallpaper and bright umbrellas as ceiling lights. And it's a real nod. It's actually the wallpaper from my lounge. And the brollies are a link to Viola Beach. So it's very much a home from home and people come in and they don't, even with the name Vintage Viola, they don't twig what it's about. No. And, and when you say to them, oh, it's a charity and explain what it's about, they're lovely and they're like, oh, I must go and buy something. And then they scoot off to try and find something to buy. Um, so at the moment, it, it is primarily a charity shop. The upstairs yeah. we're using as the prom lounge for our prom project, but we're hopefully moving to a bigger space which will have a coffee bar, a performance space, a barber's, the vintage lounge and the shop and a upcycling slash workshop area. Wow, so that would be massive, fantastic. It's amazing and it's a massive leap and it's a bit scary. Um, but you've got to take it. You've got to take that leap, haven't you? And but, this is in Warrington, you know, isn't it, uh, Sharon? For our listeners, that's Warrington. It is Warrington. Yeah. It's based in the centre of Warrington and we're only moving a few doors down. Um, but going back to the river and that vision I, I hold that with me that I just think what would river do he'd just go for it and yeah. it feels right yeah and so proud new... so proud of oh, what you've done well I don't home. know sometimes I do talk to him yeah. and um I've got a sunny little desk area in my office and got his picture there and we laugh sometimes my staff and you know and he just really their energy is there it's the yeah. most amazing vibrant place and an own bias and it's kind of my baby but you can ask anyone it's just really special and it's kind of like my closure I suppose my work there brings me comfort yeah and we may never find the answer to that horrific crash but you know on a daily basis we're You're keeping his memory able- going it's amazing Obviously, the shops have been closed. We've had the pandemic and lockdown. So was the charity shop opened again yesterday or was it not affected? No, we were. We were all locked down. Um, We haven't reopened yet. We're reopening on Friday um, simply because, well, we've got a lot to do. But also, um, we're just enjoying the buzz, watching the square come back to life. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? To see the world open up again, it's great. I loved it yesterday. All the shutters were coming up, the window cleaners were out, the sun was shining, and the Golden Square put the um, umbrellas back in the canopy in the Market Square. The stage has gone up for Rib Fest. It's so, oh, I've got goosebumps. It's just uh, amazing. I'll have it to is come like down. Real, you, you're not yeah. too far away. I'm kind of a crew and area, but I must come and see, see the shop, see a vintage Viola. But you've also got a running group as well, haven't you, called Rives Runners? I know you briefly mentioned it earlier. So are you a runner yourself? Did, did Reeve like to, uh, sorry, did River like to keep fit and run? River hated sport. He hated <laughs> He'd be thinking, he what are you ran. doing? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, he would absolutely wet his pants if he thought um, the running group. But I started running in 2012 um, at a time when I, I needed to lose some weight. And I'd actually been diagnosed with chronic fatigue. 
and the doctor gave me some CBT and said, you could do this. And I thought, you know what? That sounds like a load of old baloney. I'll get running and I'll get fit and I'll just sport myself out. So I did. So I joined a group called Warrington Windsor Women. Um, doesn't go anymore. And I learned to run and I, I lost a lot of weight. And then the running community is very special. And I'm sure that's nationwide, but in Warrington in particular, and I've got a lot of friends who um, have supported me on various things. I've done lots of fundraising for other charities. And then when 2016 happened, it was really, it was the running that helped me so much yeah. to keep going. And the running community were so, so supportive. And there's something about running. It's very mindful. It's very therapeutic. Yeah. We started... I, I do run occasionally and it, you, you can switch off and kind yeah. of just you know, taking the surroundings. It's, there's something about running amongst the trees and on the grass and across mm. fields and things. That's certainly and quite often I'll, I'll run up to Hillcliff where Rare River is um, in a very, it's a very beautiful spot. And um, I'll sit and have a, have a chat. But we've got a memorial bench out front of the house on, on the play park. We did some fundraising and the local parents and school, we raised some money. We've got this beautiful metal bench with lyrics and guitars and, and um, that's where Ridge Runners used to meet. And there used to be four of us. And then pre-lockdown, I think there was a minimum of 30 every Wednesday evening we'd meet. Wow, that's incredible. And it's a bit, it's a running group with a difference. We're not a running club. We're definitely a running group. And it's all around physical and mental health. Yeah. And I'm really excited now that I'm expanding my run leaders team. And they're all going to be mental health trained, first aid. And I just think I want... I want the running group to do what it did for me. I don't want people to feel pressured. So we actually have a walking group at the moment as well. So people who maybe have lost their confidence in running or want to start running, don't know where to start. They can just come along on a Wednesday evening and, and walk. Um, we walk for about 40 minutes and have a chat and just throw the cobwebs away. Absolutely. So you've got some really exciting things planned for the future. Uh, I know you listed them before. So talk. let's talk more about this rainbow ball, because I presume it, it couldn't have gone ahead. Is it a yearly thing? It, well, the first one was in, it was always planned to be annual. The first one was in 2019, which was a yeah. huge success. 2020, we've had to furlough over. Yeah. So this year, it's the 2nd of October, and it's at the Village Hotel in Warrington. Um, and it's going to be really exciting. And I'm really pleased that we'll have some bands playing and there'll be youngsters who've actually been recipients of our awards. So it'll be really nice for the attendees to actually see where their money's going and hear the stories. And, and you know, that, that, that's just, well, yeah, for me, it's hard amazing. Work, but I suppose if you're giving money to charity, you want to see where it goes, don't where you? Where it goes, yeah. The difference it makes. But yeah, it's just wonderful to be able to help in some small way, really. So for our listeners, for anybody who's interested in attending this ball, um, I mean, hopefully it will go ahead in October. The world is waking up again and restrictions are, are lifting. So it should go ahead. So where can they get tickets for the ball? How much are they? Are there, how many are there? Okay, so we have 170 tickets and we've sold lots. We have five tables left um, available. Tickets aren't on sale yet, but they can email me, Sharon at riverreevesfoundation.org if they want more information. Um, tickets will be on sale very, very soon. It's £500 for a table of 10. And we pretty much mostly sell tables in 10 because you tend to get a group of friends who will come together and say, so it's £50 a head. Yeah. Um, 
and all the profits go back into the charity. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Have a look at that. So talk us through the Rivfest again as well. Let's expand a bit more on the Rivfest. Right. Okay. Yes. In 2016, Ben and I, in our crazy early grief, decided we wanted to celebrate Rivers Live. And we thought, what better way to do it than to have a massive party on a field? We'll have a festival and we'll call it Rivfest. Everybody was against it at the time. They were like, no, you're too tired. It's mad. You can't do this. And we literally had a two week window. And we said, no, it'd be fine. We'll do it. It's fine. And we did. We pulled it off. We had about 500 people, mostly family and friends, on the field at Priestley. Wow. We had a huge stage. Um, yeah, we had Dead Eyes Cocktail Bar, did the, did the alcohol bar. So it was a festival, albeit on a small scale. And then fast forward a year to the same field, and we had 3,000 people, Billy Bragg, Maxime Park, Elijah and the Bear, Mo from The Voice, and two stages oh my goodness I can't believe it so just think what you've done for River you're you're absolutely amazing should give yourself a massive big pat on the back what you've created in the last five years that's just incredible amazing and is that going to continue going to keep doing the River Fest it has 2018 was in Warrington Town Centre 2019 we had at the Warrington Pyramid um 2020 was furloughed so this year, very exciting, we're moving to the square, the old market square, which is right outside the shop underneath um, the old market canopy. The brollies have gone up, the stage has gone up. I can't disclose yet who's playing because it's going to be announced this Wednesday evening. We've got one band to get across the final line before we announce. It's a weekend up. We've got a Friday night, quite a famous music DJ. You'll know him when we mention him. Um, and Exciting. then we've got music all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and tickets will go on sale this coming Friday. And we're Brilliant. probably going to have an early bird offer, so people need to get in quick. Get, get in their quick. So do yeah. you have a website, Sharon, that people can go on to? Can you give us details of the website? Yeah, the website is www.riverreevesfoundation.org. My only caveat to that is it's under construction at the moment. We've got a new website. So at the moment, there's a holding page. So if you go to it and put in your details, then we'll email everybody when the new site goes live, which should be, well, it should have been in February, but with COVID and everything, there's just so many delays. So that's coming as soon as possible. So if they feel like their details, like they can get tickets that way or at least inquire about them that way. Yeah, they can. We've also got a Facebook page. Riverfest Facebook page, we've got a River Reeves Facebook page, we've got a Ridge Runners Facebook page, we've got a Vincent Viola Facebook page, we're on Insta as well. So yeah, if they Google us, you'll find us. We're out there. Brilliant. Well, you should be extremely proud at what you've achieved. And I'm sure River is certainly very, very proud of what you and your family um, have achieved. So I wish you all the best with all your endeavours. And you must come back and tell us more about the Riff Fest and about the ball. And um, if I can get loads of people together, I'll be coming to the ball myself. It sounds amazing. So please come back and tell us all about it in the future. But it's been really, really lovely talking to you today, Sharon. Thank you. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to An Appetite for Life, sponsored by Daybank House Dental Practice, where happiness starts with a smile. If you are interested in any of my packages or wish to be a guest on this show, then you can contact me via my social media pages, Karen Kelly Podcasts, 
or send an email to carolyndakelly at btinternet.com. <laughs>